You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 45 with Mary Marland. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, we have Mary Marland on today's episode, and we are going to be talking about pivoting careers, sustainable fashion, and why it should matter to moms, and why she decided to start her own kids' clothing line. We discussed why Mary left her full-time job on Wall Street and decided to take the leap and to leave in order to create her own environment and start something from scratch. And that is how she came up with the clothing line, Wild Doves. We also talk about what it's like to transition from working outside of the home to staying at home and starting a business, as well as talking about seeing the value of both sides of working outside of the home and being a stay-at-home mom. She also tells us a little bit about mommy guilt and how it's everywhere from the playgrounds to the workplace, you name it, it's there. And also how to start a business financially. I feel like a lot of people, they kind of think like, how will I ever get this up and running? I don't have enough money. And so she discusses with us what companies to use if you want to use crowdfunding and what that is. So I hope this show leaves you inspired to go after your career of your dreams and also be more aware of what kind of clothing you're buying for your kids. Let's go to the show. Mary, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks, Amber. I'm glad to be here. So I love to start off every show with an icebreaker about travel. I love asking people where their favorite destinations are. So what is your favorite vacation spot that you have gone to and why? And this can be with or without kids. I really like the North Fork of Long Island. So it's a most people know about the South Fork, which is the Hamptons mm, in Long yeah. Island. And the North Fork is actually, in my opinion, way more relaxing and it's more scenic. There's 28 vineyards and 14 miles and there's farms everywhere and lots of young families. It's really nice for kids. The It's, you know, ocean water, but there's oyster beds in oh. the, in the, in the Bay area. And so you have like, you know, the benefits of salt water from the ocean, but in a contained area. Oh, nice. Um, for kids without the waves, without, you know, the the sea life, you know, the larger sea life yes, anyway. The scary one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the scary one. <laughs> it's it's very nice for young children and families. And it, you know, it's becoming more and more popular for New York City families, but it's still pretty quiet relatively. Um, so that would be my favorite place. I think it's a it's a gem. Okay. So being from Michigan and then now living in Nashville, I am not familiar with that area. So what are the towns or the cities called um, that, since it's not the Hamptons, because I do recognize that, uh, what are the towns called that you would be looking at if you were ever wanting to go there? So Long Island, at the end of Long Island, there's a fork. um, And the fork, in in between the fork, there's a little town called Riverhead. If you go south, you go into the Hamptons. And if you go north, you go into the North Fork. Mm. Um, so on the, the very end of the Island is a little town called Orient and Orient has a little park called Orient state park. And it is one of the most beautiful places in the country, I think. And it's unbelievable. It's all open land. It, it, it kind of, I'm from Maryland originally, and it reminds me a lot of the Eastern shore, but it has a new England type of mm. feel to it. The water is really cold, you know, cold and fresh and yeah. the air has this salty, um, feel to it. Oh, nice. And yeah. then there's a, there's a larger town called Greenport 
And Greenport is really the largest village within um, the North Fork. It has lots of lively restaurants and um, bars, and there's beaches there, and there's a marina with an old car- old-fashioned carousel. It's just a very all-around nice village. And although yeah. it's not in New England, it really does feel like villages up and down the, the North East Coast in New England. So it's very special. Does it and have I, like a Martha or Mar- Martha's Vineyard and um, a Cape Cod? Uh, or is that right? Cape yeah. Cape yes. Cod. Yeah, it's not, it's <laughs> Does not it have that feeling or is, is it different? It's not as gentrified mm. as either of those two. Oh, so gotcha. it's still... It's still very um, modest, you know. People, it, it's there's no. It's pretty much the opposite of the Hamptons in oh, terms. Oh, I got it. Yeah. In fact, the New York Times wrote an article a few years ago, and it was titled "The Unhamptons." Oh, about the that's North funny. Pole. Yeah. yeah, it's farm to table. There's a lot of farm stands everywhere. That's and cool. There's a yeah. There's just a lot of it, it. When you're out there, it just feels like when my my husband and I first went out there. We thought to ourselves, how do we not know about this place? Yeah. Because it's only 90 miles from New York City. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, we go out frequently. That's and cool. It's the, and the, it, with the worst traffic, it's two hours door to door. Oh, wow. And yeah. so if you don't live out there and you wanted to go visit those, do you still fly into New York City and then you rent a car and drive? Is that how you get out to that you area? Could. Yeah, you could. You could even go, you could go into Boston and drive to Southern Connecticut and take the ferry across. It's oh, a little longer, but probably JFK Airport yeah. in New mm-hmm. York, and then you drive. I that see. That would probably be the easiest way. That's cool. And then do you guys stay like in Airbnbs and stuff like that, or do you stay in hotels there? Um, both. They have hotels and, and um, inns. They have lots of B&Bs and they have, lo- they have new inns mm. that are really very different. You know, yeah, small boutique, like boutique ones, yeah. Um, and oftentimes they have enrichments like wine tours and bike riding wine tours. You know, a much smaller scale than yeah. something like Napa. But it is you do feel like you're very in another world from New York, and you're still very close. Yeah, I love that, and I this is why I love asking this question because as you get other people in different areas of the country or even out of the country, it's always fascinating to me what people suggest because it is so easy to not know about certain areas. I mean, like you said, you live so close to this and you didn't know about it. So I I feel like it's always fun to open people's eyes to think, Oh, this, this could be a next place that we can travel and, you know, explore. Yeah. It's a, it's a very family friendly place for sure. That's great. Well, let's get started. How about you tell us what your name is, where you're from, how many kids you have and how you got to where you are today. Sure. My name is Mary Marland. I'm from Maryland. Often people, my last name is M-A-R-L-A-N-D. And throughout my life, people said, Mary Marland from Maryland. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and they read, sometimes they read my last name as Maryland accidentally because of the Mary. But that makes sense. I, I'm originally from Maryland. Um, I moved to New York City in 2000 for a job. Um, and it was an opportunity with a startup under um, a large investment bank, and it led me to various other jobs on Wall Street. Um, Up until 2016, um, so last year, and I have, and at that point I I left my job, and I have two children. I have a 17-month-old son named Jack and an almost five-year-old little girl named Kate. Um, We live in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and um, we are like many New Yorkers, you know, trying to find that balance with 
you know, the, and many people across the, you know, many families across the country trying to find that balance with being, you know, having a, a career and balancing that with raising two young children. Yeah. And that kind of leads me into talking about um, you working on Wall Street and decide, and deciding to start your own company. What do you feel like was the trigger to make that big change? Well, you know, I had been thinking about the company since I had my daughter. So it was a good four years before I took the leap. I had started where I had an, you know, a, an idea there. Was, I saw a gap in the market. Um, which is why, which is how most most businesses begin. Really, you identify an opportunity through, um, you know, finding a solution for something. But I really was looking to create my own environment, and that was one of the biggest reasons why I decided to to take the leap and become an entrepreneur. So, you know, there's different reasons for for starting your own business, but creating your own environment, creating something from scratch, was also a huge incentive for me learning new skills, also meeting new people. I came from an environment that was a trading floor environment. So, you know, it was, uh, it would bubble with activity throughout the day in, in, in intensity, I think that's specific to Wall Street, but it was heavily male dominated. There weren't very many, certainly there weren't very many moms and um, there wasn't a lot of talk of family. And my network of people, although I had very good friends um, that are very dear to me, you know, I didn't have, I didn't know that many people that were going through what I was going through as a young parent, as a mom at work. Um, and so that led me to wanting to create kind of my own environment and, you know, these other aspects, investing in myself. Um, you know, I felt that what my idea brought to the fashion industry would be an improvement. So I do, I sincerely think that I'm bringing something additive and in general, just creating a work environment and creating something from scratch that'll allow me to not feel like it's work anymore. Because I think it's true. If you do something that you really are passionate about, it doesn't feel like work anymore. It's not a job, right? It's a livelihood. Yep. And that is what I was seeking, but it did take me a long time to get there. There was a lot of planning, there was saving, and, you know, and I'm still working on it. I'm, I, I should launch in the fall, but it's still a work in progress. But uh, yeah, it was, it was mostly that, that interest to, cr to create an environment that, that was conducive with where I was in my life. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, so how easy was it for you to go from a working mom, like a straight up, you're working outside of the house full time to a stay at home mom that was trying to get her business up and running and caring for your child full time. Yeah, it is. It, <laughs> it was, I mean, eye opening. So when I was in, when I was at the bank, um, I did have to travel. I was, um, I was in a pretty senior role. Um, I was a sales manager for a team in, in, in the markets area. And, um, you know, I never felt guilty about my work. I actually felt like I had a pretty good balance um, when I had, when I had my daughter and it, what I was missing, I was just not unaware of it. I really did not understand until I stopped working and I started taking care of Jack and Kate full time that I saw just how much I'd missed. And that did, you know, that, that did affect me a little bit. 
Um, I love there's some positive things. I, I really did love the day to day productivity, the ability to schedule your day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes, that goes out like the window that. when you have small children at home. I know. <laughs> and that was a huge transition because I just didn't do not think of myself as, a, as that laid back of a person. And I think it's actually one of the things that you need to be with young children. Oh, yes. You, need to be able to, yeah. you have to be able to be really laid back and understand that mm-hmm. schedules are you know, guy, you know, basic guidelines for guidelines. guidelines. <laughs> you, you rarely stick to them, particularly yeah. in the first months. Oh, so yes. Yeah. The one of the most pleasantly surprising things is the network of other parents that I got to know. And, you know, I found that so rewarding. So what I mean by that is I didn't have that mom network when I was working. So, you know, when I stopped working, there were a lot of other moms like me either trying to do, you know, I know a lot of moms actually starting their own businesses or they were working freelance or they're graphic designers doing contract work, or there's a lot of jobs that allow for some level of flexibility. And they were trying to balance those. I know other moms that left their careers like I did. But what I found is, you know, in, when I was at the bank, I had a discomfort sometimes, like when I would be off and I would go to the playground, it felt uncomfortable a little bit. I didn't know how to connect with the other parents there. And after I stopped working, I, it was, it was a relief. It took a few months, but I, 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 I built friendships with a, a group of other moms and a couple dads that, you know, I just wouldn't have ever had, had I been in the office. You just, you know, it's the oh, time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. to those relationships. And I feel I felt that it was it's a really important thing particularly in New York City where you really have to seek out a community. I really believe that everyone is very everything's in a hurry and it and it's a little bit of a hustle day to day. So having a community of other parents and other families I think is very good for our children. It's good for them to know and have familiarity with all their friends' parents and and have a network of people that you can rely on, that you can share, ide- you know, share ideas and challenges with. Um, that's something I think when I was growing up was a given um, in suburban Maryland, but it isn't here. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, that makes sense. But I, you know, there's positives and negatives about in both. I, but I'm I'm very happy that I've had an opportunity to see both sides. So, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you. So, what do you feel like? When you finally did stay home, what do you feel like you realized that you're missing before? Like you said, you didn't even know that you're missing it until you were home. Well, the relationship, like with my son, so my obviously you, your child, you and your child have, uh, you know, a very intimate, beautiful relationship. Mm-hmm. And but I, you know, with my daughter, she, we were lucky enough to have a. a she didn't go to daycare. She, we had a we had a um, a babysitter come. Yeah, and, and she That's was right. a, a little older and she was almost like a grandmother figure actually. And she loved my daughter and my daughter loved her. And I felt very comfortable about it. But with Jack, Jack and I, he, because I spend all, you know, I'm his primary caretaker Mm -hmm. and we have very little babysitting help ever, um, which is a whole nother podcast probably. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, his, his connection with me is just different. My husband notices it. Like we can read each other very well. Um, I think it's, I think it's, I, I you know, I, I would say that he's like my best buddy. I Is guess he your older one or your younger one? Younger, younger so one. So he's my your daughter. younger one and you guys can read each other well. Yeah. He's only 17 months. Yeah. That's awesome. He's, 
he is, it's just so fun to be part of every step of his growth. You know, he's, yes. you know, mm-hmm. he's starting to walk and he, we have a, I have, and it, my children share a room because I live in New York city, yeah. which is mm-hmm. its own challenge actually when you're sleep training. Oh and my goodness. I, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I have the alphabet and, you know, numbers one through 10 on one of his walls. And I go through it with him in the morning, every day, we do a little song and every morning we have this little, you know, habit where he starts it now. It says I B C, and it's the Aww, cutest, so sweet thing. Yeah, those, those quiet times, those mm-hmm. quiet moments that you know you you can't plan them. They just come, you know. The, it's part of being with your child all the time, and it just goes so quickly. Oh yes. So mm-hmm. although I have to be honest, I I wouldn't want to take back the time I spent understanding how to balance work and motherhood mm. with the first child. Yeah. I do think there's a there's a, a value that I just was unaware of. Sure. By yeah. being home and being able to be right. witness to everything that happens in those first couple years. Oh yeah, I agree. And I, I understand what you're saying with your second. I, I kind of have that a little bit more with my second. Um and I got to spend time with both of them, which I'm pretty blessed to be able to do that. But just even the other day, I was telling my mom this over the phone, uh, since she lives in Michigan. And, uh, so Serena, who's three, she's kind of talking, we're in the grocery store, which is a whole different story, you know, trying to, you know, wrangle them and, you know, (laughs) and whatever. And uh, she, I was letting her walk instead of being in the cart and she was just saying something and she's very sweet. And, but she was talking to me like, and I don't know, like I was looking at something and she's behind me kind of like next to me and she just kind of had this mad voice. And I'm like, why are you talking so mad? And she goes, yeah. she's, she's like, hey, look at me. And I like, she's like, I'm not mad. And then she smiled. Oh, right. <laughs> and I just thought that was so funny because that she even knew to, you know, say like, hey, look at me. I'm not mad or whatever. And so I know what you're saying about those little things that you you may not experience if you're not with with your kids all the time and you can't prepare or plan for those things. So but I was going to this leads me into the next question, because I don't want moms that are listening that do love working and they love working outside of the home or they cannot afford to stop working. Um, this comes up a lot. So from my perspective, and I've said this a lot to my friends that it's not easy for moms, because I think that a lot of times you either need to be fully in, meaning you're either fully working outside the home or you're fully home. Now, granted, you could be starting businesses here and there. Like, so there, there's a lot of those things, but I mean, it's not easy to find straight up part-time jobs that make a good income and that you're doing something that's that you want to be doing. And so I feel like it kind of forces you to have to decide if you're fully going to, if you can afford to do it, if you are going to just stay home or if you're going to go to work. And so, um, and I can only imagine being in New York city that this makes it even more difficult to make that decision. And I, I mean, what do you feel about that? Have you noticed that, that some people may want to stay home somewhat. Maybe they don't want to stay home completely or they're either one or the other because they just feel kind of like forced that that's the only decision. Absolutely. I actually don't know any mom who, in my opinion, has an easy choice. I think at the end of the day, you just do the best you can under the circumstances. And I think your, your point to say you're either all in or all out trying to do both at the same time, and it does introduce different challenges. It does. So some weeks on my business, I get a lot done 
And then other weeks, I don't get as much as I would like. And I can take that for the day as well. Some days I get a lot done and some I don't get hardly any done. It takes a tremendous amount of, of discipline because sometimes I just want to go to bed when the kids go to bed. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to stay up and work on stuff. Yeah. But I do. You just have to make a decision to be determined about it. Um, If it's a job just to make income, you just do the best you can. And you are, I think moms, you know, there's a lot of mommy guilting going on in every area. I mean, it's moms get it in, in every direction. They get it at work. They get it in the playground. They get it at home. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think that you, moms will always do what's best for their child. I don't know any mom that doesn't love their child. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I right. think it's, it's, that would be in, you know, a, a, a minority for sure. And, yes. you know, some moms, I actually believe, prob- feel that, um, you know, they're better moms when they are working. Oh, for they sure. More balance. Yes. Mm-hmm. They feel like it's a better fit. And that's what it comes down to. What is best for you and your family? And it's the oh, same yeah. with dads. Yeah. We know, I know dads that, you know, and dads don't have it easy that stay home either. I know a few families whose the wife was the breadwinner. And so the dad stayed home and they had a challenging time connecting. And, you know, that's also a challenge for people. So I think, you know, forums like yours um, are really important because it, it, it throws out that question. Are we accepting all, you know, situations? Are we supporting other mothers? Are we supporting families? Because this isn't a new thing. Families mm-hmm. have been around since the beginning of time. Yeah. We still yep. wrestle with the same issues generation after generation. Right. Um, I think encouraging moms to do whatever is best for them and helping where we can is, the, is what we should all strive for. Oh, yeah. But I certainly hear you. I mean, I don't have an, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't find, even if I think the perfect balance would be to find something where you do some work, yes. you know, yep. I think that would, and and so, you know, wild doves does suit me in that way, but I am all on my own. So you yeah. lose some of that social aspect. Yeah. The, the community and, in the sense of, uh, in, in working. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, when I see my friends, we talk about our kids the entire time. Right. Yeah, exactly. And well, and this, and that kind of takes me to the next question. So you started your brand of children's clothes called Wild Dove. How did you come up with that whole idea and the name and the name? Yeah. So I had it in my head. I, you know, I thought about when you, when you go through the process of branding, you start thinking about basic symbols and the bir- birds just kept on coming back. But, you know, I had this other name called Grow With Me. And I, and I incorporated it. And at the end of the day, I just thought it really wasn't explaining what I was, you know, wasn't, um, communicating what I wanted it to, which is, you know, sustainability, you know, one with the natural order of things, um, celebrating peaceful, you know, I think birds represent across cultures, this sense of freedom Mm, and strength. And there's this native American word it's a name called Luya and I L U Y U. And I came across it randomly and I really liked it, but I thought that that name itself might just be a little bit challenging for a new brand for people to remember. Oh yeah. It's so different. And how to spell it. Yeah. Right. All those things you have to think about when you're starting a brand. (laughs) So it means wild doves. So Luya means wild doves. So that's why I came to wild doves. Yeah. And, you know, our children are, you know, doves are one of them, you know, I don't know if you know anything about doves, but 
doves are, you know, they're one of the few birds that lactate. The the husband, uh, the, the, the male and the female help with in, the, the, oh. the chicks. There's a lot of little details about doves that I think are very special to having like, you know, a, a children's line. Wait, so do um, doves nurse? I mean, so do they nurse? They lactate. They lactate. Yeah. So it's, it's not exactly like what we do. Yeah. <laughs> they basically, basically regurgitate and feed through their mouths, but, oh, it's, but milk. it's milk. Oh, but it's milk. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. very fascinating. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's also the way in which they rear is very specific to them as birds. And there's over 200 types of doves. Wow. I just got the entire thing. You know, I wanted to be a, um, a brand that is, um, is, you know, celebrates babies of all backgrounds and all types. Baby, a baby is a baby. Oh yeah. Everyone mm-hmm. should have room in their hearts and their minds for a child. They're, yeah. they're you know, and they are our future. So mm-hmm. all of those things to me spoke, you know, b- birds in flight. That's why my logo is, you know, doves kind of in motion. Yeah. I uh, love that. So that's, you know, it, wild, that element, it's I'm doing a sustainable line. And really the reason I'm doing sustainable is because when I started the process of, of building the business and I looked at the process of creating fashion, I didn't, I felt that I didn't even have a choice. I'm very surprised that we even have to brand anything as sustainable. It should already be sustainable. So clean products should be something that's a given. And, you know, I, I don't want to go into a, a off topic, but it's the same with food in many mm-hmm. regards. You know, it's, it's a shame that consumers even have to be, con- have to consider those things. You know, there, it should, it should just be, I, I mean, I just wouldn't be comfortable creating anything that ha- that introduces potentially harmful things for children. Right. Yep. Yeah, yes. I agree. Well, and the, le- so let's just step back for a minute and then we'll jump into into the sustainable stuff. So uh, have you grown up sewing and stuff like that? Like what even made you decide let's make clothes? I mean, that's not, that's not everyone's thought process when coming up with a business. So I'd love to hear that. Right. Well, I've always loved fashion and I grew up actually in a big family. Um, I'm actually one of nine. I'm the third of nine. Wow. And almost it was seven girls and two boys. And my mom used to dress all the little kids in these very traditional smocked clothing mm. um, with, you know, white high tops. And, you know, they almost look like Kennedy children, you know, yeah. short so you could see the little fat knees and thighs. And, but ultimately it was celebrating the child. She really did take dressing seriously. It was for her. It was in an effort to celebrate the child and babies. And obviously, I think that did influence me to an extent, you know, that idea that, you know, we live in our clothes and they reflect many things about us, even if we don't want them to. (laughs) I mean, they are functional art in many ways. Even if we just want to wear the t-shirt and jeans, it's still, it's still communicating something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when you have a child, you know, they, there's a lot of, you have, I would categorize most children's fashion is formal wear, you know, dress up, dresses and cute little outfits that are not very practical and then playwear where a lot of parents just buy things and they ultimately end up it ends up being thrown away or they try to give it to a friend but it's already stained or and it ends up in a landfill and so for me you know I when I when I had my daughter I could not it was just this very interesting thing every single time I would dress her I just kept imagining clothes for her and I started drawing them 
And so I relied heavily on technology. There's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of fashion tech tools now that were never available before, and they're amazing. There's tools that allow you to design, you know, in sketches in a very easy way. Um, so I, you know, before I knew it, I had almost hundred sketches, and I learned how to design my own fabric um, patterns. And there's software for that too. Um, and then I, you know, I joined a, a program called Sustainable 45, and that is it's just he helping you kind of um, build a network and understand some of the nuances with launching a fashion brand. Um, and you know, hired Prestope, Spirit of 608. That's kind of a do-it-yourself yep. PR mm -hmm. company. And those together, those uh, you know, those um, things together allowed me to to, you know, learn as I, as I went. Um, but I, you know, the, the hardest part is actually the product development part it's testing. So I literally tested certain products that I had from the time my daughter was a, an infant. So it's been five years where I have this one, um, bodysuit of hers in, in a particular weight of cotton. And I've literally put it in every single white wash, light color wash since she's been born. It just stays there stays in the same basket just to see how it, ha how it holds up. And, you know, I did that on a couple other instances. So I've, I've had it in the back of my head to develop these products for a long time. And I, you know, from the fashion aspect, it's a creative outlet for me. I love creating those, you know, those patterns and those ideas for my children. So to, back to your original question, did I sew growing up? I can sew. Um, I am not a seamstress. Um, you know, I basically just took basic home ec and I went through a period when I was, a, a you know, young girl where I wanted to do my own clothes and I remember creating some of my own pieces. Um, but certainly I still hire seamstresses. I still hire pattern makers and sample makers. Um, and it's a, I test it. So, you know, my first collection, it will be, have been tested on real children, a number of them actually. And, um, you know, I think that's an important part of the equation because a design doesn't necessarily translate into a practical garment. As everyone knows, how many times have you bought something and it just doesn't fit right? Right. Yeah. You know? So it needs it needs that other aspect. And I think it's for me, it's it's been super rewarding to be able to take a business side of it, which I feel very comfortable in, actually, and, you know, join it with a creative side, um, the design and you know, I'm not an artist, but there's so much out there. You can take, you can literally just take pictures and create art from them. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, I don't know that 30 years ago, this would have been accessible to me in any way. Oh, right. But now yeah. in today's mm -hmm. world, I think, sure. I think it's more about, do you have the diligence to see it through? Oh yeah. You need perseverance for sure. And right. consistency. Yeah. You know, even with a podcast, I, I think, you know, you'll look back at certain podcasts and they, it just kind of like, ended, you know, like 10 episodes in, you're thinking, what happened? They're probably just like, right. I can't do it anymore. Out. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. And that's just with anything. And, and that's the thing when you're um, starting a business or anything that you're wanting to do, you got to know that it's a long game, you know, and, and that you got to be consistent and keep going um, or you're, you're going to burn out. And that's, that's something I wanted to ask you, you know, so with having young kids and, you know, if people are thinking about starting a creative business and it doesn't even need to be creative, but 
Um, I do know that there's a lot of women that maybe do little things on the side and maybe they want to make it bigger or maybe they don't. But um, what would you say really helped you or what were some challenges that you experienced with um, getting this up and going? And I know you said you do have seamstress and pattern makers. So obviously you have to be able to pay those people. So sure. I, I feel like right. there's, there's a hard part with, okay, yes. you need to... Yeah spend money to make money. Right. And then, but you don't want to spend so much money that you're in the hole and then you're like, okay, how am I going to get out of this? So I would love to hear a little bit on how you started all of this and any tips that you could give to moms that are trying to start something on their own. Okay. So you do have an investment. You definitely do. I saved for it. So I had, I, I had thought of this years in advance and I saved. So I had a little bit to work with. Um, but then there's something else. There's other things available to entrepreneurs today that might not be, many moms might not be aware of things like crowdfunding. So crowdfunding is a way for you not to introduce any other investors into your early company. Instead, it allows you to pre-sale items, pre-sale items. So I'm going to be doing a Kickstarter in the fall to help me do my first run. So to help me do my first orders with the manufacturer. And the reason why that's really important is particularly in fashion, if you do small quantities, you're going to pay higher prices. So you want to get to a, a sweet spot where it's, you know, you, 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 you still have to put money up front, but you, it allows you to, to put the order in at, in, through a pre-sale type of mechanism. It also, you know, there's, there's been Kickstarters. So that's one company. There's many of those crowdfunding um, platforms, but I specifically will be using Kickstarter. Kickstarter has a, a very wide audience. So if you have a really good idea and you have a professional introduction and you can, it, you know, you are actually additive to the market, it will, re- people will respond to it. And so, you know, I'm doing some out of the box things. I'm, I'm going to be having some things on my campaign that I won't be selling on my online store. It's specifically for my campaign. And it's a lot of work. It's a tremendous amount of work, but I've planned for it. So in September, I will introduce childcare almost full time. So I exclusively mm. work on building that up. Yeah. I think the number one thing is a plan. Even if you change your plan, you have to have a plan. And you have to start and it has to evolve as you learn. So if the, if the plan, the basic framework is just a timeline, at least it's a start. You, you have to have an understanding of what it takes to get to A to B. And you have to have goals in between. And you have to really try to meet those goals. And if you don't, you try harder next time. But it's, it's still down to discipline. You have to discipline yourself enough to be able to, to keep the juice going. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, but yeah. crowdfunding, it does offer an opportunity that I think is critical for new small companies. Because otherwise, I think most companies would not successfully be able to launch. As you put it, they'd be in a hole. And then they're putting their families at risk and their own personal you know, finances at risk. You know, and that's what I meant by families at risk. But, you know, if you put your personal finances in your in a new company, it's very dangerous to do that. You should be separating out the expenses as soon as you can. Mm, Yeah, that's a good idea. Everything from incorporating to do the business end to having a business account. And, you know, there's benefits once you get up and running, there's more the benefits outweigh a lot of the risk to start. Mm. So you have tax benefits, you have 
you know, if you can be in a, in a position where you can be organized and you have a goal and you also have to identify what is your goal? How big do you want to be? What are the channels you, if you want to be an Etsy business and you want to do slow fashion, Etsy itself offers a million different ways of approaching that. If you want to be a direct retailer, you have to, you then have to formulate your own plans for retailing online. And that's all in addition to product. But at the end of the day, it has to start with a plan. And I know I couldn't do the plan on my own. So I needed to supplement it through programs like the one I did with Shannon at Factory 45. Um, but, you know, it, depending on the product, there's different, you, you can seek out, even if it's a consultant, even if you're just paying a consultant a fee for an hour of their time. Those things are available. Uh, you know, I think, I think more than ever before, we are in an environment economically where there's a transition in the retail space anyway from traditional retail to more online e-commerce and that introduces a new dynamic and with that is a new opportunity for people people will start following brands a little closer um and you know i, I think that disappeared for a decade or so yeah no i agree which then um brings me to talking more about what you're passionate about and that sustainability, um, sustainability for clothing and buying higher quality clothes. Um, sure. we're, we're almost at the end of the show, but I want you to okay. kind of dive into this a little bit more and, you know, explain to us why it's so important and why people should care how clothing is made and, you know, break it down into what that looks like for the consumer. Because I think sometimes it's just so overwhelming that they really don't understand okay well why is this really important you know sure yeah i think the first element to consider that i think everyone appreciates is durability so quality so when you buy um synthetic fibers that are manufactured with petrochemicals oftentimes um that the durability and the quality is you know it's not a breathable product um and it and it um it pills and it, you know, it ha it shows wear in different ways. Natural products, you know, they get, they actually some some types of fibers actually get nicer as it's worn. So it's almost like that that you know wonderful leather chair you have <laughs> that over time gets softer. Oh yeah, there yeah. are actually fi fibers, natural fibers that are outweigh their costs tenfold because of the durability. So I think that resonates with most people. Most people want a quality product that they don't, they don't, and I mean, there's nothing worse than buying something that in the print is so beautiful in the store and then you wash it a couple of times and it just looks ratty. Um, so that's the first thing. And, and, you know, one of the big questions is how do you tell if something's a good quality? Well, you know, for me, I've been a conscious consumer for a while because I actually was tired of buying things that I was disappointed in. So I just felt that, you know, a couple washes, things look very different. So one very, very basic thing is like if you, you know, good quality, the weight of something. So if, if you buy cotton and you can see light as an example, like if you buy something and you put it up to the light and you can see through it, usually that's an indication that the, um, the weight of the fabric isn't a very good fiber. It's not, a, it, it's not, it's, it, it's not, a, it's not a very good, um, knit. So I think that's a basic thing because most people buy cotton for their children, and we're talking about children clothes mostly. Yeah. Also the seams, the, obviously the designs. I think people should be considerate about things like organic fibers 
And I think so, not only because it's just better, very likely better for our children, but also because the quality is better. So specifically, you know, if, if you buy high quality cotton, the fibers are longer. And the reason that matters is it can be spun into finer yarn and it makes it more, it makes it stronger and more durable. Some cottons actually have a shine to them. So like if you're looking for the name of certain cottons that are dot, you know, superior, some of them are Pima, Egyptian cotton, Sea Island cotton. Those are the most durable cottons out there. And I think natural fibers are the way to go for children anyway. There's just too many open questions about, you know, what some of the chemical washes, you know, could do potentially early onset issues. We just don't have enough answers. And I don't know why anyone would knowingly take a risk. So I think it's an awareness, you know, thing. So, you know, in terms of brands, you should look for the brand to have a philosophy about what, how they create items. I think buy in the USA whenever you can. I think, I think it just, you know, it helps local markets. I think there is a standard that doesn't always exist in other places in terms of, even if you're not super sensitive to the environmental conversation, you know, to put in perspective, a normal cotton shirt takes seven, you know, is it's, it's something like 70, 70 gallons or, or 700 gallons of water to make a t-shirt. So that's like 40 showers. Wow. So cotton in itself isn't very sustainable as a choice, but if you got buy good quality cotton, you know that you, that will be generations. So I think, you know, instead of buying for fast fashion type of disposables, um, the more people are aware of why that should not be, you know, the consumer, um, consumer's choice, particularly in the baby's first year, I think, you know, that awareness will go a long way and they'll be pleased with the, you know, the, the other side of it, which is a more durable, higher quality product that doesn't necessarily cost more. And I think that's really important. Cotton generally is inexpensive to make. So just because you're buying organic does, shouldn't necessarily mean that it's, it's more expensive. Um, I think the quality though elements in, on, on, with organic cotton, you often don't see the you know, the depleted quality, you can still find organics that don't have great quality, quality, but some of the basic tests, like the, you know, the pilling and the, um, you know, looking at it, if you can see the light through it should at least tell you how tightly spun the the fabric is. And I think natural is always the way to go. Yeah. What I was going to tell you, I was, I was going to uh, give you some uh, props for your onesie that you had told me about off air. So why don't yeah. you tell everybody um, what you came sure. up with and, and why you thought this was such a great idea for babies, especially their first year sure. of life? So I, I came up with a basically kind of like a wardrobe capsule for the first year. So I have an, an infant dress that converts into um, a play suit and that's for zero to three months. And then I have a bodysuit that lasts from three to 12 months. So it has extensions. Um, you know, the average baby triples in sizes within that first year. And there's actually four, the, the standard is four different sizes, zero to three, six to nine, nine to, you know, three to six, six, six to nine, six to, you know, nine to 12. So the, the bodysuit replaces three sizes. It's also reversible and gender neutral because you just don't know if you're going to have a boy or girl for that second child. It's a basics line, but I think it's very important because most of our, our children are mostly wearing basics. 
And, you know, kids need, kids make messes, which is why I made it reversible. And, you know, I, I, although it's really fun, particularly for little girls to buy them that little pink dress, what I'm trying to do is replace the waste that happens within that first year. And we've all been there. I mean, I, I, you know, going through four sizes in a year, I, I, I felt very bad about it. I just felt like there was so much waste. There was a lot of clothes that still had the tags on it, um, that were given to us. So I'm trying to come up with a, a solution. I'm solving for that. And that's my entry into a very competitive market. So it's a little harder to do it. I have to use multiple different fabrics to do it. Um, I've had a lot longer product development life cycle than I think is normal. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately what, what it will is it'll make a consumer, um, you know, a trusted customer and they'll trust what I come up with next, which is, I have a pretty ambitious, you know, set of collections following that infant year, but it's all very aware. You know, there's an awareness about those growth spurts and creating practicality but with cute designs that celebrate the child. Yeah, so I know. Yeah. And I, I love that. And I think that's great. And I think it just gives everyone something to think about. And as we close, are there some brands that you really, truly love besides Wild Dove um, that you're yeah. like, you know what? These are really great brands that you could easily find for the moms that are just kind of like, okay, this is a lot, but I am curious because I don't want to have these toxic uh, ingredients or, you know, chemicals in the clothing. Sure. But you know, they don't have that time to research everything. Is there, can you give us like one to three brands that you're like, I think these are a good go-to brand? Sure. There's a brand actually that launched that was in the same program as, as that I was in called Sprout Fit. And that's for my, you know, parents that really, they really appreciate bamboo. She uses bamboo. Um, and it has the same type of idea around growth spurts. She's, she goes into the toddler years in her launch though. And I'm very focused on that infant. So Sprout Fit is one. I really love Finn and Emma. I think it's a beautiful line. Um, I think, you know, she makes very good quality products. Beal and Beezer, Under the Nile, you know, even, even big, big lines like Hannah Anderson, their organics line is fantastic. Um, you know, there's a lot of good products out there, a lot of good products. I'd say you have to identify as a conscious consumer what kind of things are most important. So I do, I personally believe that the quality of the fabric very frequently goes hand in hand with high quality organics. I do, I think that organic cotton generally is going to be a better quality product than non-organic cotton, in addition to all of the other concerns you could have about non-organic cotton, because there's no transparency in you know, the chemical washes and other items. But there's alternatives. There's bamboos and, you know, the style from Finn and Emma is, you know, the colored combinations and stuff, just a little different. Yeah. It's a different take on the modern parent. And um, Bell and Beezer, Beal and Beezer is a really interesting line in New York. Um, small batch. Very interesting how she created, um, she basically removed any snaps. So some parents really hate having to deal with all those snaps. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. It drives them nuts. Yeah. And so she created a product that, you know, it ha basically has an elastic back that allows you to put the, the you know, the little bodysuit or the little oh, jumpsuit uh -huh. or the on without having any snaps. Oh, cool. And I, I mean, I, my children wore a lot of those clothes. And they also wore the organics line in Hannah Anderson and Under the Nile. Um, and I could go on. There's a lot of products. But I, you know, for me, I still feel that there's a lot of room. Sure. But I think buying small from, I try to buy USA made products when I can. 
Um, I look for that. I also look on brands. I look at their website. I actually look and see what their brand philosophy is. If there isn't one, then I think just generally you might want to ask those questions. Why not? Why do they not care? <laughs> why, why, is it, why doesn't it matter how something is made? I think it should. Yeah, no, I think this is great. And I think it's very eye opening. And as we wrap up, I would love for you to tell everyone where they can find you on social media and your website. Yeah, I'm under wild doves across the board. So it's wild W I L D doves D O V S. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on um, Facebook. My website has, you know, if you become a founder, you'll be able to watch and um, be part of that launch process with me. And there's something in it from the for the founding members um, after launch, and um, Instagram and Twitter as well. And I've just started blogging, so I'll be more and more visible on the on the um, blog sites. Perfect. Well, Mary, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Amber. I appreciate it. And there you have it. Hey, you guys, I know that I like to see episodes of the podcast that I listen to because that means the links are in my inbox the resources that they are talking about, and the show notes so that I don't have to go searching somewhere on the internet. Oh, where did they say that? So if you haven't subscribed to the email list yet, go ahead and do that at mominspiredshow.com. All you have to do is put in your name and your email and you will get every episode every week. All right, you guys, I hope you have an awesome week and I will see you later.